Hello and welcome to the Frontier Strategy Group podcast series. FSG is a leading information services provider for emerging markets executives. We partner with business leaders at more than 200 multinationals by providing them with research, analytical tools and data that helps power their emerging markets business strategies. Today we'll be speaking about regional expansion strategies in Russia. Uh, My name is Joel Taylor and I'll be moderating today's podcast. Joining me for today's conversation from FSG's London office is Martina Bozajeva, Associate Practice Leader for Central and Eastern Europe and author of our latest report on regional expansion strategies in Russia. As a reminder, this research and all of our content is available via our portal at portal.frontierstrategygroup.com. Martina, thank you for, for joining us today. Tell us, first of all, why you chose to focus on this topic. It's really driven by a lot of external factors that are affecting the Russian economy right now. We're seeing a broad slowdown in growth, and it's creating a significant need for many of our clients to expand their customer base in order to sustain uh, the rate of growth that they're looking for um, out of that market. And as a result, regional expansion has become pretty much the hottest topic on Russia that our clients are interested in, um, and it's something that we wanted to support them on as well. And this isn't the first time we've covered this topic as well. I mean, we've done previous reports on this. How do these two really fit together? The first report, which was called um, City Prioritization, um, is really focused on helping our clients understand the geography of regional opportunity in Russia. So where do you find regional customers and how are they concentrated across Russia's Russia's territory? This report is about strategy. So it's about the how of regional expansion. How do you go about capturing this opportunity once you've identified where it is? So obviously Russia is a a, a huge country, has um, great complexities across the, the different regions. What is it that makes regional expansion in Russia particularly challenging? There are a number of reasons that contribute to uh, the difficulty of expanding regionally in Russia, but it all actually boils down to profitability and the question of how do you maintain profitability when the cost of serving additional customers increases. Um, And there are several factors that we've identified really contribute to that higher cost of serving these regional customers. One is the fact that uh, because of distances and the poor quality of Russian infrastructure, it can be very expensive to reach these additional customers in some of Russia's regional cities. Not only that, but the purchasing power in those cities tends to be a lot lower than it would be in a concentrated market like Moscow. So you're really de- dealing with a very different terrain where your customers are uh, poorer and more expensive to serve than they are in Moscow. And if you want enough volume of sales, if you want to really capture enough of that regional market and create economies of scale, you have to resolve the question of how do you do that without undermining your profits. And so what does this mean for companies' go-to-market strategy if they do decide to expand regionally? It means that they can't really implement the same strategy that they may have pursued in Moscow. Um, and this is quite important because the way that a lot of companies tend to expand regionally is they try to replicate whatever they did for Moscow in just another city. But that can really run them into this profitability challenge, and it also may not be the most effective way of reaching regional customers. Um, so it will re- depend on two main factors, um, the volume and the margins of the products that you're selling in the regions. And those might be different from the products that you're selling in Moscow. If you, for example, have uh, products that are high margin and high volume, 
even a direct expansion might actually make sense, which is what some companies have done. Uh, but on the other hand, um, if you have low volume but good margins for your products, maybe you could use something more indirect to reach customers, for example, online sales. Um, in reality, most companies would use a combination of go-to-market strategies to optimize coverage in the regions without sacrificing profitability. And how do distributors then uh, fit in with with plans for regional expansion? Are they also used quite frequently? Yeah, they are used uh, quite frequently. In fact, most companies will have some distributor relationships, even if they're extremely mature in the market. And a lot of that is to capture some of these very remote, uh, fragmented regional customers. Uh, it could be distributors. Or it could also be national retailers. And some companies have used those as partners to uh, benefit from their national coverage and very well-established logistics um, networks. For example, we looked at some cases of technology companies which have used channel partners as well as national retailers to expand into national coverage. So we see that some companies are using a, a more of a direct model. Others are using distribution partners. Um, in order to expand regionally and, and reach new customers. What other kind of models are available to our clients or, or companies looking to expand regionally? Um, there's also another option, which is franchising. Obviously not an option for every kind of business, but for companies whose business model allows for franchising, it might actually be quite an attractive go-to-market strategy. Um, a company like Subway, for example, which we've looked at in this research, has been very successful. In less than 10 years, um, they opened more than 500 restaurants in Russia. In fact, now they have more than McDonald's does. And that was using franchising. And now about 40% of those restaurants are outside of Moscow. So there's definitely been very aggressive regional expansion using this model. I mean, using the franchising model, it often brings with it certain risks as well as, you know, there are benefits to it. What kind of challenges are very specific to Russia when using franchising models? Um, there are a lot of different challenges. I think the main one would be finding and vetting the right partners, especially in the regions where you may have less visibility into how these people operate or what their background is. The model is more common now. Uh, Russian businesses themselves have become more comfortable with franchising and they seem to understand a little bit better what franchising actually means and how it works in practice. But it still requires very strong oversight and support on the part of the franchise, uh, the franchise partners. So you would need to be putting people on the ground to deal with these uh, franchisees, uh, to monitor them, to provide them training, etc. And, and just to give you an example, out of Subway's staff in Russia, one third are responsible just for controlling and monitoring their franchisees. Great. Uh, you mentioned online sales earlier as well. So this is uh, something which we've covered for Nigeria. We've talked about e-commerce in Nigeria. Also, we hear quite a bit about China and e-commerce, but we wouldn't necessarily associate Russia with, with e-commerce. Can you just explain how companies can use this to, to reach um, new customers within the regions? I, I think e-commerce may be a well-hidden secret for Russia, um, and companies that are not taking advantage of it could soon be really behind the curve. Uh, it's growing extremely fast. It's growing at the double-digit rates in a market that has the largest absolute number of internet users in Europe. There are more internet users uh, in Russia than there are in Germany. And that gives you a sense of the potential scale of the market. Uh, there have been challenges, of course, with online sales. Uh, the infrastructure itself is not well developed. So you will have difficulty delivering products at the right cost and time to customers that are far removed 
from the main centers. You will also have the issue of low credit card penetration in Russia, so how do you get paid? Uh, but a lot of companies have found very creative ways of resolving these problems. And because of that, you're seeing very significant growth um, in online sales. It's really taking off. It can be used uh, in a variety of different ways. You can use it to reach customers. If, for example, you're trying to test demand in the region, you want to see would somebody be interested in buying your product and at what price. Uh, so that would be one way to do it. Um, some companies use uh, the existing infrastructure of their, um, let's say, retailer partners. Retailers in Russia increasingly have um, online sales. So you can track it that way as well. Uh, but it also means that you don't necessarily have to invest a ton of resources into it. In the uh, report, one of the cases that we've looked at for online sales is Crocs, an American shoe company, which sells relatively expensive products. And the way that they've structured their presence is they have direct stores in Moscow that they run because that's their biggest market and it's uh, very large and concentrated for them. But in one of the strategies to reach uh, provincial customers, they also do online sales quite aggressively. Um, and that's really allowed their brand to take off in the market. Great. So it can potentially be a, a cheaper way of, and, and less risky way of reaching customers in the regions. With regards to one particular model, which actually is quite um, investment intensive, um, we've spoken about direct, going direct. I mean, when does it make sense for companies to expand directly? I, I think that it's all of these decisions are going to be on a case-by-case basis. Um, so you wouldn't have a one-size-fits-all type of strategy, but I, there definitely will be companies for whom it will make sense to expand directly. And we've looked at some case studies in this report as well. Um, if we use the framework that we um, introduced in this piece, it will be companies whose products can gain large margins as well as significant volume in the region. So you will be able to sell a significant enough amount in a regional city in Russia to justify uh, putting down actual uh, a significant investment in that market as well. The example that uh, we highlighted was IKEA, which has expanded, but it's also expanded not everywhere. It's in 10 of uh, the biggest cities in Russia, uh, but it's uh, not really expanding aggressively beyond that. So they've also reached the limit of what makes sense in terms of uh, a direct expansion. But for them, it's worked really well. So they've been really able to leverage this strategy. Um, another thing that we haven't touched upon in this particular piece, because it's really a different type of conversation, is the question of companies that work with large uh, government customers or key accounts or uh, business customers. Those companies will not really be looking for regional expansion. To expand their customer base, they will be following customers. So wherever their customers go, that's where they will go as well. And that's an entirely different strategy altogether. Great. I think this report is, is a really good introduction to some of the um, strategies which our clients can adopt in order to, to reach new customers outside of Moscow and St. Petersburg. Um, and really a good introduction to the, the topic of regional expansion. I think there's a lot of great talking points in there. And I'd encourage our clients to, to read that. Um, what are the things that we've got upcoming for in terms of Russia coverage in, in the coming months? We have um, a research piece coming out that will focus on manufacturing in Russia. So the next stage, if you are looking at the, really expanding the scale of your presence in the market, one question you have to resolve is how do you reach customers? But the other one is, do you want to manufacture locally? And there are pros and cons that are quite worthy of a very careful uh, evaluation there. So we'll be providing our clients with some framework and background information to help start that conversation. We'll also be looking at the topic of talent management 
coming in later in the year. Very, very important question that a lot of our clients are asking about. And of course, we also have resources that are already available for our clients on selecting the right cities for regional expansion, managing corruption in the market, and also making the case to corporate about investment in the market. Thank you very much, Martina, for the very interesting conversation and for those insights. Uh, As a reminder to our clients, you can speak with Martina or any of the FSG analysts at any time by simply reaching out via your account manager or directly. You can also access this full report and all FSG content on our portal at portal.frontierstrategygroup.com. This concludes our podcast. Until next time, we wish you great outperformance in your emerging markets.